Take your Bibles, if you would, please, to Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis chapter number 32. I would invite you to stand with me if you're physically able, out of respect for the Word of God. Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis 32, verse number 24, down through verse number 27. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of, his th- uh, of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. You say, Preacher, what is the significance of this passage of Scripture? There's something key in verse 27 that the angel of the Lord asks Jacob at that time. He says this, what is thy name? And I'm going to set a, a, a foundation for the message this morning after we pray uh, back to Jacob's life in Genesis 27 is where we'll flip back to and read part of that, uh, a portion of that account of Scripture. But Jacob, if you know, his name means a deceiver. Uh, he lied to his father, and we're going to read about those things. And now the angel of the Lord is there wrestling with him and He asked him a question, and you'll see the significance of that question uh, here in just a few minutes. But I'm going to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Get Real with God. And Get Real with God. Let's pray, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help, and I need your touch this morning. God, I don't take lightly the privilege that I have to pastor such a wonderful church. But Lord, to get to stand behind this sacred desk and open a pure, perfect Word of God. Well, what a blessing it is to have a Word of God that we can look at and study and know that you're in every page of Scripture. And Lord, as we go through this today, Lord, may we, uh, Lord, just let go of the things that we're holding back from you and just get real with ourselves and get real with you today, Lord, about who we are and our condition. And Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Bless the message. Guide my mouth and my heart. Lord, let all the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart today be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, if there's any in our midst that do not know you as our personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen the saint of God. Encourage us to have more boldness, to be a soul winner, to win people to you. Lord, to just stand strong in the opposition of Satan. And Lord, we love you and thank you for all your many blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Uh, In this story, if we go back to Genesis chapter number 27, Genesis chapter number 27, and look starting in verse number 14, we're going to read down through about 10 to 12 verses here, but we're going to set some groundwork on what we read in Genesis 32 verse 27. In Genesis chapter number 27, starting in verse number 14, the Bible says, And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly uh, goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and, upon, and the, on the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. 
Now there's lie number one. He said, I have done according to as thou hast badest me. Arise, I pray thee. Sit and eat, my, uh, eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. There's lie number two. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou beest my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voices of Jacob and the hands are of the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, and as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. Now, in this account of Scripture, if you start reading, Isaac is old, and uh, he can't see very well. And he tells Esau, he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to die, and uh, my time is coming to an end. He said, but what I want you to do is I want you to go out, and I want you to hunt and kill some venison. Praise the Lord for that. Isaac knew exactly what was good to eat, didn't he? And so he said, I want you to go out and kill some venison and cook it for me that I may eat it and bless thee before I die. And uh, he went all this way and, and his, uh, his mother heard it and she goes to her son uh, Jacob, who is her favorite, and she says, listen, he's going to bless Jacob or he's going to bless Esau. He said, but here, she said, here's my plan is let's go get one of the goats and let's kill it and let's uh, take some of the clothes that Esau has and we'll take some of the skins and put it on the hands and on the neck. Now, what was significant about that was uh, Isaac was a very, or uh, uh, Esau was a very hairy man, but uh, Jacob wasn't. Jacob was very smooth-skinned, and so it would be hard to deceive Isaac because his eyesight was bad. He would end up feeling his son to see what was going on. So they were uh, coming up with this plan, and at first, uh, Jacob wasn't for it. At first, Jacob was like, well... If he finds out that I'm not really Esau, uh, he'll do a harm unto me. And listen, I'm paraphrasing, going through this a little quicker. quicker. But he's setting this stage. Well, finally, he yields to his mother's request. And uh, he goes and does this. And they, they make some meal, uh, this meal for him. And now he disguises himself as his brother. And he comes into his dad. And his dad asks him when he first comes in. He said, Who art thou, my son? And now this is Jacob coming before the presence of his dad. And he says this, I'm Esau. He lied to his dad. He was deceiving his dad. And then his dad said, well, how did you get this venison so quickly? And he said, oh, the Lord brought it to me. There's lie number two. He went out and got one of the goats and took it. And they cooked that meal. His mom cooked it and uh, he took it into him. And then at the end, Isaac knew something wasn't right at first because he said, well, your voice is that of Jacob, but your hands are of Esau. And he was still a little confused, but because he couldn't see, he just ended up blessing him. And he said, asked him one more, art thou Esau, my firstborn? And he said, I am. Lie number three. Now then, and I'm not going to read the rest of it for sake of time, but you know what happens here. Esau comes back. And Esau comes into his father to get a blessing and he realizes that he already blessed his brother. And Esau's anger is very hot against his brother and he says to himself, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. And they realize that Esau's angry and that after this time of mourning that they're going to, he was going to plan on killing his brother Jacob because he stole this uh, blessing from his father. And you know, he even says, hey, he, he took my birthright. He's taken the blessing from, my fa- uh, from all these things. And now he's mad at Jacob and Jacob has um, got to run for his life now. His mom says, listen, go to my brother Laban's house 
house and uh, go there and dwell there because I don't want to see any harm come to thee. And so he goes to Laban's house and, you know, he's there and he begins to work for his uncle Laban. And he works for seven years to his, with his uncle Laban because he loved Rachel. And he wanted Rachel to be his wife. And he said, listen, I'll work for you seven years if you'll give me Rachel. And after the seven years, here comes wedding day. And uh, he says, nope, you've got Leah. Jacob said, why'd you deceive me? And he said, well, it's not customary for me to give this, the younger daughter first. You've got to have the older daughter first. Well, he works another seven years and he, gets, he has Rachel. He was deceived now by Laban. He was probably upset about that, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. But over this time, now all of these uh, sons are born and he's working all this time for his uncle Laban and all this time goes by. 20 years go by. All this time now he's going back. The Lord tells him to go back to the land where you came from with your brother. And on his way back, he sends a messenger ahead of him to go talk to his brother Esau and try to give a peace offering to his brother Esau. And uh, he's like, listen, I don't know if Esau's still mad at me or not. I know time heals things, 20 years gone by, and hopefully Esau doesn't want to kill me. Maybe he'll just want to take some of my possessions and I give him some of this stuff and it'll be a peace offering to him or whatever. But uh, he goes and he sends the messenger off and then he's alone now in this place waiting And he's all by himself. And we read what was taking place in verse number 27. It says this in uh, Genesis 32 verse 27. We're going to read it again. And he said unto him, what is thy name? See, he got to this place. He's wrestling now with the angel of the Lord. He wants a blessing. Remember, he just stole a blessing from his brother. He's wanting a blessing now from God. And God's looking now at Jacob, and God knew all that Jacob had already done. God knew Jacob deceived his dad. God knew that Jacob lied to Isaac, not just once, not just twice, but three times in this passage that we read about. Three times he lied to his dad, and he told him he was somebody that he wasn't. He told him he got something from the Lord that he didn't really get from the Lord. He was a deceiver in his own heart and in his own mind. He was a deceiver. And then he was deceived by Laban. All these things that took place uh, going down through his life. And now here he is alone with God. And he has to have a reality check. He's alone with God and God asks him a question. When he asks God for the blessing, when he asks God for that filling, when he asks God to be with him, God said something to Jacob. He said, what is thy name? The same question that his dad asked him. Who art thou, my son? Art thou Esau? Remember, he said, nope, I'm, I'm not Jacob, I'm Esau. Remember, he said, uh, who art thou? He says, uh, I am him, that's me. He was lying about who he really was. He wasn't real uh, with his father about who he really was. And now he's, uh, he's there wrestling with God. And uh, oftentimes in our spiritual life, we have wrestling matches with God, don't we? And we ask God, God, do this for me. God, I want to be saved. Or God, I want to do this. And we have to get reality check. And he says, first off, who are you? Because you can't get the blessing of God until you admit who you really are. He asked him this question. He said, what is thy name? And now the deceiver is faced with a decision. This deceiver probably had all these things coming back in his mind and in his heart about what he told his daddy a long time ago. 20 years prior, he told his daddy something that I'm somebody that I'm really not. 
And oftentimes we go before the throne of God and we try to tell God that we're somebody that we're really not. And God points his finger down at us and says, Who art thou? What is thy name? Just as he did with Jacob. And Jacob could have said, oh, I'm somebody else, or I'm this person or that person. But look what Jacob says in verse 27. And he said, Jacob. He got real with God. He didn't say, I'm Esau, or I'm somebody that I'm not. Now he's wrestling with God, and God says this, what is thy name? I believe it all came back, Brother Getty. I believe it all piled back in his mind and in his heart that day about what he told his daddy previously. And he realized that this daddy wouldn't be deceived. This one wouldn't be fooled. He couldn't tell him he was somebody that he wasn't and get a blessing from God. He had to be uh, real with who he was. And he said, I'm Jacob. In verse 28, and he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. That's a great testimony of the grace of God, isn't it? That somebody who's a deceiver, somebody who's a liar, somebody who lies about their condition, lies about who they are, when they really come to reality check and they get real with God, God's willing to change them. God's willing to do something about them. And in this story where Jacob lives a life of deceit and labors, and was deceived, and he's just spinning his wheels, and now he's going forward, and he's wanting to come back to his homeland and uh, provide for his own family now that God has given to him, and he wants to do all these things. I believe over time he realized, wait a second, I just got to get real with God. I just got to get real with who I really am. And I want to ask you that question this morning. What is thy name? Who are you? See, you can fool us on the outside, just as he fooled his earthly father, Isaac. But when God comes face to face with you, and you're wrestling with a holy God, you're not going to win that battle. And when he asks you that question, what is thy name? He's giving you an opportunity for something. He's giving you an opportunity just to get real. Just to get real with who you really are. And I'm going to talk to you about four areas that I believe we need to get real with God today. That we need to get real in our life with God. Firstly, I believe we need to get real with God regarding our eternity. We need to get real with God regarding our eternity. Our salvation. Is it settled? Because guess what? You cannot go to heaven until you realize you're a sinner. You understand that? You can't be found until you realize that you're lost. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means every one of us that have ever been born physically on this earth, save Jesus Christ and Him alone, are sinners because of Adam. As by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every person that's ever breathed God's breath other than Jesus Christ is a sinner. Separated from God because of our sin. We can't be a part of God's family because God is a holy God and a just God and a righteous God. And when we're born physically into this world, we're born into the devil's family. And the Bible says we're of our father, the devil, and we're separated from that. And there comes a time in our life where the gospel is presented, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is the only way to heaven. 
There is no works that you and I can do that are going to gain merit and favor in heaven. The Bible says they are righteousness as filthy rags unto the Lord. There's none good but one, and that is God. And so nothing you can do or I can do. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, we can't work our way to heaven. We can't come to church enough to gain heaven. We can't give enough an offering plate to gain heaven. We can't bring people to church or do good good deeds to people in order to gain heaven because we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that because we fall short of the glory of God that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The earning, the return for the investment of my sin is death in hell forever. In torment and agony. But the verse doesn't stop. The wages of sin is death, but I love that little conjunction. I love that word, how it ties these two things together. Because here we're looking at, we're sinners, doomed and destined for hell, but that little word is like a handcuff that links this part to this part. Even though we're deserving of that, Romans 5, 8 said, but God commended his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the wages of sin, that is death, but there's a gift of God is eternal life through this link. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So we have to just get real about our eternity. And the fact is that it's appointed on a man once to die. And once we physically die, there's an eternity that we're going to spend in one of two places. Heaven or hell. There is no in-between. You're not going to float around in purgatory and wait for your, parent or your family members to pray you into heaven. You're not going to be able to do any kind of uh, things here that maybe if my good deeds outweighed my bad, then God's going to see fit to it of all this. No, that's not the way it works. The Bible says well, if you're saved, be absent with the bodies, present with the Lord. There's no in-between. You either choose God or you choose to reject Him. We have to just get real about it. First off, we have to admit we're sinners. Second off, we have to admit that our sin had a penalty, that wages of sin, which was death. That God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to come to this world, not to condemn the world, because we were already condemned by sin, but that the world through Him might be saved. I'm glad for the salvation of the Lord. I'm glad that I don't have to worry about spending a second in hell because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And when I think about my salvation, something just happens inside of me every time I think about it, Brother Ron. Every time I think about I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but through the grace and the mercy of God and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who drew me into himself one day and I by faith trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Old things are now passed away. Behold, all things are become new in Jesus Christ but it came time I had to just get real about my condition that I was lost and on my way to hell and when God said who are you I said I'm a a sinner I'm deserving of hell I can't get there by myself God I need you and when I got real with God that day I was adopted in the family of God 
Why? Because he said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Old things now are passed away. All things are become new in Christ Jesus. How can I come up out of the muck and the mire of this world? Remember the psalmist said, He picked me up out of the muck and the mire, set my feet upon a rock, and he established my going, put a new song in my heart, even praise unto our God. Listen, why am I not the same today as I was back then? Because I got real with God about my eternity. He said, listen, the only way I can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And the only way you can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You can say, well, preacher, I've got plenty of time. Let's just get real today. Life is vapor. It appears for a little time and vanisheth away. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, neither am I. If we're just flat honest today, if I say, please raise your hand, if you know 100% sure that you're going to be alive tomorrow. Nobody could raise their hand. Because nobody in this room has a guarantee of tomorrow. There's only one that knows tomorrow, and that's God. Today might be the only day that I have left physically on this earth, and if I die without Jesus Christ, the Bible says that I'm going to open my eyes in torments and hell just like the rich man in Luke 16. There is no other place. I'm going to either go to heaven or I'm going to go to hell. And you're either going to go to heaven and you're either going to go to hell. But I can testify today that I'm not going to go to hell. I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Why? Because of the promise of God. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know. That you may know that you have eternal life because you have believed on the name of the Aren't you glad that the belief saves you? Aren't you glad it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us. And when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be saved. Let's just get real about it today. Uh, There's all kinds of religions out there, but religion is sending people to hell. There's people that are believing that because of their good works, they're going to spend eternity in heaven. But John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I don't care what Joel Osteen, Dr. Phil, all these other guys say. There aren't many ways to God. There's one way to God, and that's through Jesus. And we just need to get real about that today. Just get real about your eternity. The Holy Spirit of God knocks on your heart's door, and he's saying, hey, who are you? Who are you? If you're lost in this room today, you know what you need to say? I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. I'm of my father, the devil. I'm not on your family, God. We just need to get real about that. We get real about the fact that we can't do it on our own. God, I know there's nothing I can do to get to heaven by myself. But I believe that Jesus Christ did for me what I could not do. That he died on an old rugged tree fulfilling that death requirement. His blood was shed. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And for those three days, Jesus experienced my death and my hell for me. And then when he rose conquering death, he gives life and victory to all those who will receive it. And when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I now have eternal life because death now has no control over the one that saved me because of what he did. And he conquered death. He can offer life everlasting. I just need to get real with God regarding my eternity. And it's eternally settled forever. Everlasting life. We shall never perish. And I'm glad for that. Firstly, we need to get real with God regarding our eternity. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, today is the day of salvation. 
Listen, I told you, you, may, you don't have tomorrow. You don't know that. We're not guaranteed that we have that. You can't believe the lie that Satan has. Oh, you know what? Yeah, he's right. You do need to get it, but not now. Not now. You have time. You have time. Just wait a little while longer. Listen, there's people that chose to listen to the devil and wait a little while longer and their life was gone. And they lift up their eyes in torments. And today, you know what they're saying to you? Don't wait. Don't wait. Believe the Bible. Believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him as your Savior because you don't want to come to this awful place. And the rich man in hell is still saying, Hey, Faith Baptist Church, go out and tell them so they don't come to this awful place. They want us to tell people about the Lord. Why? So that they don't have to spend eternity in a place called hell. We just need to get real with God regarding our eternity. Secondly, we need to get real with God regarding our education. You say, what do you mean? Studying the Word of God. Studying the Word of God. There's a lot of people say, well, preacher, I just don't understand the Bible. I thank the Lord for those that came to discipleship class today. Thank you so much for that. I'm encouraged by it. Just a hunger to, to learn more about the Lord. And that's what we ought to desire is to study God's Word and to get into God's Word and prepare. Uh, look at 2 Timothy, if you would, please. Take your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15. The Bible says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's just be real about this thing of studying for the things of God and educating ourselves in the things of God. Oftentimes we blame the church for our lack of education in the things of God. And to some degree, I can say, okay, we can foot some of that guilt. Why? Because we're not trying to disciple people and train people and grow them. But ultimately, the responsibility for your education in the things of God falls on you. Falls on you. You can't blame somebody that you've been saved 20 years and you know nothing about God unless... The person that led you to Christ and all those things never told you you need to be in church. You didn't know those kind of things. You weren't grounded in things. Didn't have a word of God to study and those kind of things. But listen, we're in America. The fact of the matter is, let's just be real about it. We don't grow in God because we don't desire to grow in God. We don't grow in God because we got other things keeping us busy from growing in the things of God. But the Bible tells us, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman not, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we rightly divide a perfect, holy, infallible book to an unholy, uh, fallible person? How does that take place? Through the Holy Spirit, the author of the book, who lives inside of us. As we begin to study the Bible, not just read the Bible, but study the Bible. That means we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. We're going to dictionaries, looking up what words mean. We're actually taking some effort and putting some effort in to knowing who God is. And as we do that, He will illuminate Scripture to you and I. It says to rightly divide the word of truth. We just need to get real with God regarding our education, our study. Do you really study the Bible? Or do you just read it? There's people that I know that have, been, uh, that have been children of God for many, many, many years and the only verse they even know in Scripture is John 3.16. Preacher, I have a hard time memorizing 
Don't lie. You don't have a hard time memorizing the things you desire to memorize. The things you don't want to memorize, it's hard. When we walk in the flesh, because by the way, we still have a flesh nature. When we're living for the flesh, it's hard to have a spiritual mind when you're walking in the flesh. But when you're walking after the Spirit and you're longing for the things of God and you're desiring the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby, the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of you, who breathed on this book, who brings it to life as you begin to follow Him and study this book, He begins to open your eyes and grow you into the things of God. We just need to get real about it. The fact is, we can say, well, I just, I just don't get fed very much. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of us really only eat once a week, twice a week, physically? Well, I come to church, I I ought to be getting fed. The fact of the matter is, you wouldn't think of your lack of food if you come to church on Sunday, if you were eating all week long. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But by the way, you ought to be coming to a church that preaches the Word of God. Not some feel-good religion that makes you feel good every time you come in, never makes you feel guilty of your sin, never steps on your toes about anything. Because the fact of the matter is, every one of us are unclean vessels that need to be cleaned by the Word of God and the washing of the water of the Word, myself included. Every one of us need God's Word on a daily basis in our life. But we just need to get real with God regarding our education. Are we willing to study, be a student of the Word of God? You know why we can be so easily deceived by Satan? Because we're ignorant of his devices. And we're ignorant of his devices because we don't go to the the war book, the rule book, the, the, the book that tells us about what Satan is as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour, how Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, and the Satan who, who, who tries to deceive us and lie to us. We were just in discipleship class this morning talking about he is the father of a lie. He's a great deceiver. We talked about Jacob, that deceiver who we're talking about who was a liar and a deceiver. But guess what? Jacob had to come to the realization, I just got to get real about this thing. And if we're honest about it today, we can honestly say, God, I need to get real about my study for you. I need to get real about my education for God. I want to grow more in the things of God. Listen, we ought to study the Word of God. Listen, I'm, I'm all about sports. I like sports. You say, what's your favorite sport? Deer hunting. That's my favorite sport. But I know that's not really a team effort. Okay, that's an individual effort. But on team sports and all those things, they work hard. They do those things. And there's a lot of people today, guess what, that skipped church because of football. A lot of people did that. There's a lot of people that they'll, they'll, they'll pay money to go sit in a stadium and watch a team. And they'll sit out in any kind of weather to watch these people play a sport. But to come to the house of God, well, that's just, that's my day off, preacher. That's the day, that's for me. No, the Bible says that God ought to have the first fruits of everything. And guess what? We're the first day of the week. Sunday, by the way, we've mistaken. Sunday's not the weekend. You understand that? It's the beginning of the week. Saturday's the weekend. Sunday's the beginning of the week. This is the Lord's day. Why? You ought to have first place in our life, first of the week. We ought to be in the house of God, worshiping the things of God. But what I'm getting at, all these sports, there's people I could ask them, who's your favorite football player? And they can tell me everything about that person. There's people, man, they walk around, they paint half their body one color, the other half the other color. They'll stand up. Those Green Bay Packer people are crazy. Okay? Listen, I liked the Packers growing up, but anybody that'll be up in Wisconsin in December with no shirt on, 
half their body yellow, half their body green with a big block of cheese on their head has a problem. Okay, they have a problem. You know what their problem is? They worship something that's not God. Their problem is they worship sports. They worship those kind of things. And they can tell you everything about every sports player on that team. They're, they're looking for the, the camera to shine on them. They can look up and say, hey, look, everybody's noticing me. It's all about who they are and all about that team and everything about it. But they can't tell you one thing about God. There's a problem. Go to the book of Matthew, not right now, but in your mind and in your heart. Matthew 16, verse 26. What profit of the man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The fact is, you can't do anything to gain heaven. We talked about that. But guess what? You, you can't say, well, I know all these things. and It's hard for me to study. It's hard for me to know all these things. But yet, the things that you really care about, you know about. When we desire to serve God and we desire to learn about God and know who God is, the Word of God becomes so much more easy to memorize. Why? Because we're studying it with a desire to what? Find God. He said, seek me and you'll what? Find me. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. See, the problem is not that we have a problem with with studying and learning. The problem is that we don't have a desire to study and learn. Now listen, I know some people memorize easier than others. I get that. But everybody who knows God as their father, has an opportunity to study about him and know who he is. You say, preacher, I don't have a Bible. Guess what? Come see me and we'll get you one. Why? Because you need to have the Bible. You need to have the word of God. Go to the Dollar Tree there for a dollar on the top shelf in the book aisle. And guess what? They're King James Bibles. What a blessing. You can get one. Listen, if we don't have a Bible in America, guess what? We can get them. They're not like other countries that they don't have them. Just to have a a page of it, they would cut off their right hand just to say, give me some of that. But here we have the Word of God and we don't desire to study it. We just need to get real with God regarding our our eternity. Get real with God regarding our education. We need to get real with God regarding our efficiency for Christ. Are we efficient for the things of God? In our service for Him. If we're studying the way we ought to study and following God the way we ought to study with God, our efficiency as a Christian is going to get a lot better. Why? Because we're going to do what Jesus did when he walked on the shore of Galilee and he called the disciples into himself. He said a statement, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know what he said? Follow me and I'll show you what you need to do as a believer. If you will follow what I do and follow my example, I'll train you to be what you ought to be and your ministry will be efficient because it's not about you. It's all about what my father is. Remember he talked about even when he was a kid and he was in the temple and Mary and Joseph left him and they come back and they find him in the temple teaching and preaching and they said, what are you doing? He said, wouldst thou not that I was about my father's business? He said, you should know me by now, that everything I do is about about him. We just need to get real with God regarding our efficiency for God. In Joshua chapter 24, you don't have to turn there, but Joshua is coming to the nation of Israel. 
And he tells them, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. You've got to make a choice. Let's just get real about it today. Everybody in this room is going to make a choice today. Reality. Everybody in this auditorium today, or downstairs in junior church, are going to make a decision today. They're going to make a choice. They're going to choose God or they're going to choose the world and Satan. You say, oh, I don't, I don't choose Satan, really. Are you going to get real with God? Just about who you are. The things that the Holy Spirit pinpoints in your life. You're going to study the Word of God, be a student of the Word of God, and you're going to get more efficient. But he says this, but as for me and my house. He said, listen, you can make a choice of what you're going to do, but I'm going to make a statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what he did not say? If my wife is okay with it, I'm going to serve God. He didn't say, as long as my kids don't give me problems, I'm going to serve God. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a decision just to get real about his service for God. Is that I don't care what anybody else does, I'm going to press forward and I'm going to serve God. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm going to serve the Lord. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. You just got to get real with God today that you're either going to choose Him and if you don't choose Him, there's no other alternative but to choose the world side. Even if you choose the flesh, you're still choosing the world side because that's of your father, the devil, and that's who the world's father is. And if you choose the flesh, even though you may be a child of God, you're still living in the way that you were born physically. And you're not going to have efficiency for God. And there's people that say, I don't come to church because there's hypocrites in church. I used to get all upset about that and think, well, there's hypocrites at Walmart and you go there. There's hypocrites at the grocery store and you go there. But church, let me just say, the world, the world believes that the church ought to be different. The world believes it. If you don't believe me, go ask somebody in the world what a church ought to be. But get ready because they're going to tell you. They expect God's people to be different. To be the light of the world. To walk differently than the rest of them. You know why a lot of times the world doesn't want what we have? Because we're not being very efficient in our walk with God. We're not following after Him. We're not studying Him. We're acting just like we were born physically into this world. They don't see any difference between us and them. So why do they want what we have when they're already acting the same way we are? But if they see something different over here, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And he says, uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory and honor to yourself. No, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When the world sees a generation of people that are studying the Word of God, that are walking after the things of righteousness and holiness, they will look and they will say, what is different about them and it opens an opportunity for the gospel and for us to be efficient in the things of God our efficiency is because we're broken down spiritually we're not running on all cylinders we're misfiring in some areas maybe it's in our area of 
complete separation. Maybe we're straddling the fence. Listen, just get real with God today. Choose him or don't. Remember, he, he told the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. He was talking to the church. You understand that. To believers. And he says this, I would that you were cold or hot. Just make up your mind. You can't have the best of both worlds. You can't have me and the devil at the same time. I, I have more respect for you if you just say, God, I don't want anything of it. I'm just going to live cold over here. He said, but when you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Makes God sick when God's people try to act like the world and act like God at the same time. And you wonder why our efficiency is so low in our society today. It's because we just don't get real with God and say, God, here I am. Use me. You know why God could use Isaiah? Not, just be, not because he was the most talented. Because he said, Lord, here am I. Use me. Why could God use Paul when he changed his direction on that road to Damascus? When old things are now passed away, behold, all things become new because he put his faith in the Lord. Why could God use him? Because you know what he said? I'm the least of all the apostles, but I've labored more abundantly than them all. He said, I'm going to work harder for him than I've ever worked. I'm going to, as, as much as I used to persecute the church, I'm going to live for the church and do everything I can for God. And you know what he just said? He got real about his service for God and said, no, it doesn't matter if they stone me in the street. It doesn't matter if they leave me for dead. I'm going to get right back up and I'm going to go right back into serving the Lord because there's coming a day that there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me. And not for me only, but to all those that love his appearing. He told his preacher boy, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing's going to waver me. Nothing's going to turn me aside. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry was just set before me to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know why God left us here on this earth, church, once we receive him as our Savior? is to be a light to the world and to win people to him. That's what we're here for. And we just need to get real with God about our service. I already touched it a little bit. I'm not going to belabor it, but we need to get real with God about our eternity. Get real with God about our education. Get real with God about our efficiency, but get real with God regarding our endurance, our stand for God. We need to have some endurance. In Ephesians 6, he says, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, that we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. You know what he's saying is we have to put on this armor, and we have a battle that we're fighting against, and we just need to endure hardness as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. We just got to endure. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Why? Because the strength isn't in us. It's in God. It's in God. When I am weak, He is strong. Listen, we just need to get some endurance about us. Let's just quit being, what a, how could I say it kindly? Let's quit being so sensitive in our Christian walk. Preacher, somebody didn't shake my hand at church. Get some endurance about you. If they didn't shake your hand, that means you didn't go shake theirs. 
Because if you went and shook theirs, your hand would have got shaken. The problem is, we always want to look at what everybody else isn't doing or what everybody else is doing. But let's just get real with God. You don't answer for everybody else. You answer for you. Get some endurance about your Christian life. Why is it people come to church and they hear, well, that preacher preached about my sin. Well, guess what? We're sinners. And the Holy Spirit of God pinpoints sin. Every one of us are. Every time I read and study for a message, guess what the Holy Spirit of God does? Hey, you need to get rid of this. You need to clean this up in your life. And the washing of the water of the Word's got to scrub and clean and help. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces. And guess what? As I study, I get, I get witness to and, and the Holy Spirit ministers to me and all of these things as I go into God's Word. And you can do the same thing on a daily basis. And when we come to church, we ought to say, Lord, if there's anything in me that's unrighteous, if there's any wicked way in me, Lord, please find it. Try my heart. Know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And when He shows you that wicked way, you just get up and get right and do the things God wants you to do. Put it aside and press forward for God and just have some endurance about you. Go forward for the cause of Christ. Guess what? It's not going to be smooth sailing. You're not going to walk on a bed of roses all the time. You're actually going to walk on a bed of thorns. And there's going to be times that you're on the stony ground and sometimes you're climbing up the mountaintops. It seems like you'll never get there. Then you'll get on the mountain. Man, life will be great. Then you'll go down in the valleys and it seems like a death is overshadowing you and there's a hard times coming. But he said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And we can rest in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and just know that I have him by my side through the mountains, through the valleys, through anything that I experience. And I just need to get real about this thing and say, Lord, I'm either going to serve you for my life or I'm not going to serve you let's just make up our minds today to choose who what side are you on get real with God see Jacob had to get real with him if he wanted a blessing he wanted God's blessing upon his life he had to admit who he really was he said I'm Jacob and when he got real with God God said no no you're actually wrong on this one now Jacob because you're not Jacob anymore you You're now a prince with God. Your name will be Israel. And we know about Israel today, don't we? Who's the father of Israel? Go all the way back through all of these things. You go back. I know there's Isaac and there's Ishmael and all those things. But now Jacob is named Israel. And the sons that are there, those tribes that come from them, all those things. Understand God blessed Jacob. Why? Because he just got real about who he was. When we get real with God today. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. Just get real about it. You can try to deceive me all you want to. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. He knows who you are on the inside. You're either his child or you're not. There is no in-between. Let me ask you this. Who's your father today? Is it God or is it Satan? Because it's only one of those two. But if God is your father today, How's your studying for the Word of God? How's your service for God? How's your steadfastness towards God? Only you can make that decision today. But the Holy Spirit's been knocking at somebody's heart. But if you don't open the door, He can't sup with you and you with Him. With heads bowed, eyes closed.